Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Um, what is an obstacle you have faced and how have you overcome it? Oh my gosh, I faced so many obstacles. Um, well, one, uh, just to be silly, is in Fiji we had um, solar panels and the, the battery for it was actually dead. So we were basically working off of solar as the light was giving it. Um, so we had to be really efficient with, um, we couldn't pump water up with cleaning everything. And I would say one of the best problems I solved out there was how to shower my children with um, almost an empty tank of water in a small amount of hours a day to do it. And I just lined them up on the patio and hosed them down and turn it off and shampoo them and hose them down and turn it off. And so that's that's one of the other, um, I just love efficiency. So that's usually how I solve my my problems. Do you find in your day-to-day world that you're always looking for like, how do I make this more efficient? How do I do this in a way that doesn't remove quality, but makes it more a curse. It's a gift and a curse. I don't know if you're that person tomorrow, but I like, can't stop thinking, how could I make this better? But with no bounds, like Einstein said, not from a to B, but like with no bounds and no limits whatsoever, anywhere I want to go. And it, it can be kind of crippling because it means your mind is always going. But man, once you create efficiencies, it was worth every strain that you took. So so yeah, I, I think that my brain is is poking and prodding and questioning and doubting and devil's advocating all of the time, but but not without a reward. So here's where I think I'm, so I'm with you. And sometimes it's hard for people to like go out to eat with me. Cause I'm like, you know, if they just did the this way, it would be a lot like we'd get our food faster. The waiters wouldn't have to work so hard. Like I'm always, there's always something that I'm nitpicking around and trying to make better. Um, but I find it fun. So for me, like it's a joy, but it, but it really, for other people, I think sometimes it's a little annoying, but what I, but what I found the two things that I found, I would love your perspective on one is Because I'm doing that all the time in my work and in my life, whether that's managing my kids' schedule or work in the podcast and the assessment, um, my brain is ready when I need it. So I I tend to drive to solutions pretty quickly because it's not hard because I'm doing it. Because we're all everyday innovators. You are it. You're not even doing it. It is you. Right. So I just do it. Where I think where, where people struggle is because they shut it down in all those other places. And then when they need it, they don't have that, those gears wheeled up. They're not oiled, right? They're not working. So they have to, they have to turn them on. Um, I think that's one. I think the other thing is um, we as humans waste a lot of time being inefficient and accepting inefficiencies. And we do it all across our life. And then we get frustrated because we have no time, no energy, no, no effort for our passion. But if we just got a little more efficient over here in this area of our life, we'd actually have room for the stuff we want. So, so I'd love your human brain doesn't connect those things very well. So that that's part of it. Um, I'd like to say about like grease in the groove of thoughtful solutions. It's pretty simple to solve that one. 
how can I make this better? Like if you are trying to change your thoughts, right? We talked about people kind of like upping their mental game. You should be having a conversation with yourself, not statements. That was stupid. I can't believe you did that. You messed this up or you you know better. You could try harder if you want questions. Questions are the key in your head. You're saying, what could make this better? What, why was it slow? Why was it bad service? Why does it feel weird in here? Right? Those are questions. So you are inquisitive. You are asking questions and that's why you're getting answers. People that don't ask questions don't get answers. Um, And then your second part was, if I can solve one problem here, this other facet of my life is deeply affected by it. Um, So sometimes we don't cross the work relationships, kids, um, free time, right? We, We don't see this as a system, right? It's disjointed, disconnected, different things. People have to start seeing their life as a whole piece. And when one thing shifts, it will create other shifts. So if you don't want to be stressed and angry with your spouse, maybe you need to find ways to relax and to have some other passions in your life. And we think, but I'm so stressed with my spouse because I don't have time to do anything. And I'm so you, you forget to address real problems in your life and see the changes in other places. You get stuck on the problem in one area and say, I can't make changes. I have all these other problems over here. Um, but I will say I, I am a problem with that. You had some technology questions in your quiz. And I was like, I don't use freaking technology enough to solve my problems. Oh, you know, I will tell you this. Um, uh, you said so many good things, Denise. That, well, hold on. Before I make my comment about technology and we move on there, let me say, I really appreciate, and I hope we all really heard what you said about all of it being one big integrated system. And I do think one of the good things that came out of the last couple of years is that we, we really have, I think, collectively come to a greater realization that we are whole beings. And I think it used to be like you left your personal side at the door and you went to work, right? And then you came home, you left that side of work and that creates its own tension and stress. I think COVID forced us into a place where we're seen as a little bit more whole as leaders, as employees, as moms, as dads, as- It was a hard pill to swallow to accept that maybe some of the things millennials are doing are correct. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not being young 20 something year olds, (laughs) we can, we can joke about millennials all the time. Um, But then we started to say, oh gosh, maybe some of the things they've been doing to find balance have been kind of nice. Um, so yeah, I definitely think we, we got to sympathize a little. Yeah. I, I just think it brought a lot of that to the forefront and I don't think that's a bad thing, but, but to your point, we have to see ourselves as whole so that we can solve the things. Um, and then to your comment about technology, I think what I've come to realize is particularly on the business, well, on the kid side too, is technology really has the room to do the manual tasks that take my time, cause frustration cause confusion. And when they do it, they do it right. And it's not up to subjective and it's not, I'll just give you a quick example. You know, you got the emails. Well, you and I schedule a little differently, but if someone schedules on the podcast, there's automatic emails that go out that say, here are your questions. Here's your assessment, right? All this stuff. 
And what I learned is that some people miss the IQE. So now I automated a second email that says, right, don't forget to take this. Before I was doing that all by myself and then getting mad because the podcast was taking me all this time. And then I was like, Tamara, what's really happening here? Right? Like, why, why are you getting so angry when technology can solve this problem for you? And it has. And there's all these places to do that that we don't see. So technology is the electronic habit, right? Pattern of repeated, mindless, just doing it because it's the thing that gets done. And yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. And this this goes back to your, if I took the time up front to solve this problem, I'd have so much time later. Technology and automation are probably one of the easiest ways to do that. Um, I try my best with that. We actually found out for, for what you said, technology can do it better than us. So we created these algorithms um, through experience for these kids. So when a kid comes into our gym, we have zero injuries in six years because we give every weight that every kid lifts for every lift. That is unheard of. Yeah. Nobody does wow. predictiveness. Um, and we do it with pencil and paper. So we said, whoa, this is now a pattern, right? This is something that we should not be doing over and over. Technology should be doing it. So we started writing algorithms for this, like based on what we what they did before, it will be this. And my husband has saved stacks and stacks and stacks of these cards. And he said, I'm going to run these old numbers through my cards because the very last lift, you could either repeat or go up slightly. So we leave that one blank. And he goes, my algorithm's better than me. He goes, I found out that the algorithm would have predicted a better number than what I thought the algorithm might be. He said, now that I know it's smarter than me, it's the only way is to use the technology because humans will make those, those gaps and errors in their thinking, but technology will not. So I, I remember, by the way, when you guys started talking about this, this was a cr- couple Christmas holiday parties at the Davis's go <laughs> and you had this conversation standing by the Christmas tree. I remember you guys saying that's what you were working on. So it is so cool to see that having come to fruition and be so amazing as a tool for your work and for the kids. And I want to just say for everybody listening that what I love about this is I I often hear from people, technology's taken over my job. What am I going to do? And the flip side to that is, oh my gosh, technology's taken over my job. Now I get to think and do I get to do. Yeah. And be innovative and be a real person of value and service and not do those things that technology can actually do better. So that's a great example of that. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. 
We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Um, I want to shift gears for a second and ask you about being an everyday innovator. So what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? I think it goes back to what we said earlier. Do I ask myself questions? If I am seeking betterment, am I getting those answers and then applying myself to get that betterment? And so I think a lot of people do not identify as everyday innovators because of two things. First is self-doubt. They don't believe that they possess the power to make things better, that through their mental efforts, they can change their world or the whole physical world that already exists. Um, The second is distraction. Then that's probably that comfort seeking that we have. Somebody else will solve my problems. I am a person of pleasure. I seek out entertainment. I don't solve problems because that's hard stuff and I don't want the stress of hard stuff. And so I think that my thought is, is never doubt myself. I can make my world better. I can change. I can improve. I can make a difference and avoid distraction from the creative process that's required. And I, my, my husband calls me a loser and a quitter all the time because I can lose weight like nobody's business. <laughs> I'm like, I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for nine and a half years of my life. And I have focused intensely on losing the weight from that. And I quit things. I don't, I have not watched a television show tomorrow. I guess how many years? Two? Over five years of wow. never turning on the television, never watching a movie. Wow. I thought I value my mental efforts so much that I try to remove as much distraction as possible with COVID when all the, the, Oh, what do you do when you're at home? Well, it's five o'clock somewhere. I I quit alcohol because of COVID. I said, this can't be the best part of my day. And so I remove distracting parts to keep my mind crisp. So if you ever think I'm just not a creative, innovative person, just free your mind of some of the things that distract you. And you would be surprised how quickly it fills with new ideas. Okay. First of all, I just have to tell you that it's so great. So first of all, yes and yes to all of it. 
And a couple of weeks ago, I may or may not have left an open water bottle in my computer bag and took my computer out for a week. And I had a backup, but a backup that could like just maybe answer some emails. Like I just really couldn't do what I would do. Right? I couldn't even stream anything on it. It was horrible, horrible to do And can I tell you the number of projects and other things I got done around the house was amazing. And it was such a great lesson to me. I wasn't behind at work. Everything was fine. But it was such a great lesson to me of like this little device for me, while beautiful in some of the ways we were talking about with efficiency, was an incredible distraction to my mental game. And since then, I've cut it out a lot more than ever before. But it was just such a great lesson of like, oh my God, it turns out when I'm not binging and streaming, when I'm when I don't have noise on in the background that I don't need, when I'm not mindlessly and I can just click to right. check out some information. Right. And I'm also you and I are both on social media for work, right? We have to be there. It's marketing. But when I'm not mindlessly scrolling through social media, <laughs> those are two different things, right? It out, I get a lot done. I have a lot of ideas. And I was like, my God, I need to do this more often. So here's the thing. I just want to say real quick, all of us, I want us to take a challenge. I want us all to write down all, I want, actually, let me say it differently. I want us to take three days out of our lives, maybe a weekend and two weekdays and write down all the distractions as we do them. Because I don't think that we realize how many we have until they happen. And then I want us all to pick two or three to cut out. Not all of them. You can do that. So that's a, a, in my opinion, a lengthy project of your day. Yeah. To to assess what did I do with my three hours since I woke up, and you will find out real quick. I love it. That's way better. Burn a lot of time. You burn a lot, but now now you have to think. Once you get this list of how am I burning time. What would I do with it? And when that question enters your mind, which, you know, you said you lost your, your laptop. I, I lost everything basically in Fiji. The thoughts will just well up. It bubbles like a pot on the stove. The, it just keeps going. So, and so you will find a lot to do when you remove a distraction and ask yourself, now what? Well, and here's the thing, right? The brain doesn't like a vacuum. So it'll fill it with something else. So if you leave a vacuum, it'll fill it. And also research has shown boredom is actually great for the creative mind. And by boredom, I mean, not taking in stimulus or not um, being a consumer of other people's stimulus. So it's amazing what happens in the brain. It actually needs a little bit. It's kind of like, um, I don't think you're as old as I am, but you know, when I was a kid, right, we went outside with spoons and forks and dug, and that was like, see you in five hours. And we filled the time with pretty creative. Uh, Maybe you and I can um, relate. I call myself a feral child. (laughs) I I mean, I was fed. Somebody put out a bowl of food for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was a feral child and it was great. But I I think people hear the word boredom and get bad. It's triggering for them. They think I don't ever want boredom. I want entertainment and, and to be fulfilled. And to have something. So I want people to like assume boredom as a threshold that you cross. Boredom is only met with instantly a reflective, like a point of inflection and something else happens. It's like you pull the veil when boredom comes and then there is a new world behind that veil. You don't sit and wallow in boredom. You instantly, like you said, that vacuum just fills instant boredom hits and it quickly is assuaged. 
people can't even wait five minutes of boredom till it comes like a wave, right? It peaks and they go, okay, I'll just do something else. But it's going to peak and then it immediately crashes and it fades away and something else comes in place. I really like that boredom is a threshold that we cross. It makes it a lot easier too to go be like, I'm you don't want to go sit that. in boredom. <laughs> oh, no. And the word has negative baggage attached to it. But the point is, right, when we're not kind of constantly taking in stimulus, it turns out. Yeah. You got to go through it. You can't yeah. not have the boredom to get right. there. But you don't that. have to sit in it either. So this is so good. I can't believe we are not only out of time, we're over time, but it's such a good conversation. So I'm going to ask two more questions because okay. I have to know. One is, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all styles who are looking to innovate and influence and make an impact? You must assess your life. You must come to account for what you choose to do. You need to be an um, observer of what you are doing with your time and your mental energy and your emotional energy, where it is invested. because you are filling this unseen, unpackaged, unheld space with useless thought and activity. And you must clear it out what you can so you can be an everyday innovator. As soon as you are not living that stress, doubt, distraction, you have no choice. You, you will innovate. It is, it is already there. There is nobody without that skill. It is already possessed. So assess where you're, you're losing ground, where you're wasting that mental energy, that, that worrying about someone else piece of your life, worrying about what people think of you piece of your life, getting into distractions. So that, that's probably one thing people must do is, is go over who am I and what do I do with my life? Well, I love that. Like, where are you losing ground? Cause I, th- I think either things serve you or they don't, or they, or they distract you. There's rarely in between. And uh, there's a lot of things that are just where we're giving our, you know, uh, this could sound like a random side note, but it fits into this. The other day I was mindlessly scrolling through TikTok because I do, I try really hard not to be distracted, but it happens. And I had this in my head popped out at this moment of like, what are you doing tomorrow? You're over here with your goals, trying to reach, like do these big things for yourself, for your kids, right? For the people you serve. And yet you're feeding somebody else's coffer because they're the one making money because you're just viewing their TikToks and good for them, right? There's some people yeah, that I love hey. and I want to support. But overall, my my head, I was like, I I'm I'm giving my goal away to another person, helping them reach their goal. Why am I not spending this time on me? You know, and it's not just on you. I I really believe um, after being in a place with a really suppressed third world economy, you must invest in other people. Other people must live their dreams. Um, but you got to be careful who you're investing in, right? People that are paying the drug dealers are creating the drug problems too, right? You know, so <laughs> and creating this economy there, you have to like feed this other economy that you want to see grow and thrive. You are an investor in the world. Choose wisely because it might grow into something real weird if you invest in weird stuff. You know what, what you said though, just at home, because it's a big part of the reason I do this podcast and why we, why we shifted from um, experts to everyday innovators, people who maybe not everybody knows is because I wanted to grow. I wanted to be the rising tide to lift all boats, right? Like I want all of us to be the rising tide and me being able to get your message out there and your brilliance out there is a way to do that, right? So you support me and I'm, but I'm really supporting you at the end of the day, which is what I love. 
I want to ask you real quick though, and it fits into this conversation because you had said this to me on a separate note. You had said one of the mistakes that we make is we think that we should do something that brings us joy. And I think the way you said it was what we should really be doing is do something that brings someone else joy. That this whole like joy is for us is a is a trap. We talk a little bit about that. Okay. It's pretty much stock sage advice, but we don't like to have sage advice. We like TikTok advice. Blow pants, please. Um, but any person that's kind of transcendental, religious leaders, you name it, anybody through time whose name has stood the test has disconnected a little and the same revelation comes to everyone. It's not about me because you are the death of things. If everything revolves around you, the moment you release your grip, it dies. You must live for bringing other people joy. There's a song that I love that says the time to be happy is now. The place to be happy is here. And the way to be happy is to make others happy. That is what every person has discovered on their quest. You will fail if you are making yourself happy. Heck, you're so freaking transient in your thoughts and your feelings that you do one thing and you're instantly regret it. So don't go on doing things for yourself. Do them for other people. A lot of people start a business or they say, I don't need a boss. I can do this on my own. I'm going to do it my way. Nobody cares about your way. They care about feeling good themselves. Do things for other people and collect that data. What do I do that makes not everyone, but it makes a sect of people happy. What do I do? What do I do? Make other people happy and you will be happy. Denise, this has been so amazing. I feel like we could go on for three more hours. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> that was a great, I really wanted to make sure to ask you about it if you hadn't brought it up. Because that when I, when I heard that from you the first time, I was a little bit blown away because um, it really does impact how you move forward. And it's not to say that you can't have the things that you want out of life, but there is so much more joy and satisfaction. And I do think particularly with uh, innovators, we tend to get very selfish. I love this product. This is my baby. It serves my needs. And in doing that, we shut down actually its opportunity to be successful because we're actually not connecting with people. How do they want it? How does it help other people? How does that, how does that serve the world? Um, and those are the things that become really successful and things that take it from that perspective. So I, I really appreciate that. You cannot please one person and have a product that takes over the world. You cannot please your favorite person and have an idea that circulates the earth. You right. can only do that when you help as many people as you possibly can with your idea. Think bigger, think more, think help. That's that's what's going to create a meaningful idea. So, just ask you one last uh, personal question, I guess, which is, what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? A passion, hobby, experience? Um, I think it's my. I said I clawed my way up through life, and then of course you hear a little tinge in my voice here. Um, when I was eighteen, I remember waking up on my birthday and hearing a knock at my bedroom door, and my mom said, "So when are you moving out?" And I was in high school. I was not graduated from high school. And I was like, as soon as I can, 
And I hit the ground running after that. I was out of that house within a month. I was the only person in high school living by myself and paying my own bills. And then pregnancy just always seems to bite me. (laughs) Um, So I got pregnant shortly after that. And then I had to do it for two people. Um, So I I had a, a really unique past that I've always been just one step ahead of being pulled under. And man, does it keep you on your toes. So I think that the moment I started adulthood, I took full responsibility for my life. And in that pain and pressure that was unrelenting, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that. So, you know, um, you said it a few times about accountability. You said it in the beginning too. And responsibility. And I think that that is often the key that unlocks everything for people that we avoid the most. Yeah. The the moment you stop waiting for someone to save you, you become the hero of your own story. Well, and when you, right. Yes. And when you realize, hey, maybe it's me. Like maybe this, these are the choices I made that led to this, or maybe how I responded to this didn't work, or maybe, and granted, there are things way outside all of our control, but we can control how we respond and what we do with it. So when you say, if this were my fault, if you can't actually admit that something would be your fault, but you use the question, if this were my fault, what could I have done differently? And what will I do differently? Wow. All right. That is a really powerful question to end on. So I'm going to write that one down and actually go make a list of some things that maybe I should be thinking about. Denise, thank you so much for joining me. It was, like I said, just absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thanks. I loved it. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.